0: commercial where the army says be all you can be right and uh, who wouldn't want to do that who wouldn't want to join something like that the only problem is the army can't make you be all you can be right only Jesus could make you be all that you can be and so in our text this morning we can uh, rest assured that he's going to show us how to be all that we can be have you ever been at odds with someone anybody Ever been at odds with somebody? Come on, show me your hand. Don't be afraid or ashamed, right? Uh, big smiles. We've all been afraid or uh, had odds. Not afraid, but we've all had odds with somebody. And we can listen to the news. We can talk to family, friends. We could watch it on TV. And we could all learn about anger and hatred. And we could learn about despair. We could learn about divorce, suffering, pain, murder, failure, and abuse. All of that can happen in our society, and it is happening, even right here, perhaps among us in this church. You know, being at odds with somebody. There is an enemy that uh, most people are at odds with, and they really don't realize it, and that enemy is God. Did you hear me? There's, most people are at odds with the worst enemy possible, and that enemy is God. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's look on the screen at a verse in Romans. Uh Uh-oh. Did I black myself out? There we go. Romans 5. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Enemies with God is what all of us were at one time. Without Christ... You are still an enemy of God. And so the text today is about how we are able to become friends of God, how we are able to have been reconciled, the responsibility of having been. That's what I want you to see this morning. Let's all stand together, and we're going to read our text, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. Wow, that's a bad description of all of us, isn't it? But that's what the Bible says about us. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed on all crea- to all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Let's pray. Father, help us to see... Uh, where we came from and where we are today. Help us to understand the responsibilities that come with that engagement to you and with you and what you place in our life and how you've changed us. Lord, help us to see and understand and obey and live towards that goal and that end. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated, thank you. So, alienated from God and then being moved to having been with God. And in that process, God leaves you with some responsibilities. And that's what I want us to discuss this morning and talk about these responsibilities. Remember, the book of Colossians was about putting down false teaching by, as Paul did, by lifting up Jesus Christ. In chapter one, verses 15 through 20, which we covered in the last two weeks, we looked at the sovereignty of God as creator He is the head. Jesus is the head of his church. He is worthy of all preeminence. He is first place in everything. It is by his blood and his cross that he has brought us to reconciliation. Therefore, having been reconciled, having been, having been, the responsibilities that come with having been reconciled. Now all of these are going to be applied to us today. We looked at who Jesus is. Now we know that he has reconciled us. What does that leave me? Responsibility. Responsibility. If you think that you're immune to deception, if you think that nobody could deceive you, then you misunderstand the devil's craftiness and your weakness. All right? Look what it says in Corinthians chapter 10. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he falls. Paul is saying to the faithful when you are confronted with false teaching, beware. There are some responsibilities that you must take on and have in order to withstand and stand up to that false teaching. The first point is this understanding the gospel. If I asked each of you this morning just a simple question, uh, take 60 seconds and explain the gospel to me. Could you do that? Could you explain the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Could you explain it to me in less than 60 seconds? I want you to think about a responsibility that you have of having been reconciled is to understand that gospel. I'm not telling you to be a theologian. I'm not telling you to be uh, an evangelist. I'm telling you that you need to explain to somebody what the gospel is. And you need to do it in under a minute. It's important that you do that because it's a responsibility handed down to you from God. You need to be able to explain to someone that they are alienated from God. That's the first step of explaining the gospel is that we were alienated from God. Wait a minute. You say, Brother Clay, I've never been hostile in mind towards God. I have never been alienated from God. I was raised in a Christian home. I was accepting Him as a child. I believed in Him as a child. I've never been atheistic. I have never been alienated, hostile, or had evil deeds against God. If you can think like that, if you can come to that conclusion in yourself then you have a misunderstanding of what the gospel is. You have a misunderstanding of the scripture. According to the scripture, you are out of touch with your own heart. You are out of touch with what God is trying to say. You are out of touch with the reality of your sin and your sinfulness and the reality of God and who he is. The biggest sin that most people have is the sin of pride if you think you've never been hostile to god if you think you've never been alienated from god if you think you've never done evil deeds against god then you have a pride problem and you think that you're going to get to heaven because you're of your goodness listen this alienation is twofold number one of alienation from god which all of us had and which some of you are in now alienation from god is twofold and number one The reason is because God is holy. God is holy. What does the word holy mean? He is set apart from us, He is distinct from us, He is transcendent from us. He is holy. The second part of alienation is that you are not. We are not holy, we are sinful. God is holy. We are sinful. Therefore, we are alienated from him. Who understood this very well was back in the book of Isaiah. I got two screens worth of text. Follow with me as I read it. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, While the temple was filling with smoke And then I Being Isaiah said Woe is me For I am lost If anybody understood That he was alienated from a holy God It was Isaiah He saw God sitting on his temple throne He saw Jesus Christ doing that And Isaiah understood That he was a sinful man Separated, alienated from God. Now, God cannot compromise his holiness. If he did, he would not be God, right? And we cannot change our sinful nature. This is all the gospel. God is holy. We are not. We cannot change that fact. We cannot stop our sin. Notice in verse 21 it says that you were hostile in mind. Sin starts in the mind, right? The NIV, if you're using that text, makes a very inaccurate translation. It makes you think that you're hostile in mind because you do evil deeds. That's not correct. You do evil deeds because you are hostile in mind. Sin starts in the mind. Don't look at the NIV there. You're not uh, hostile because of evil deeds. Okay? You are hostile already, and therefore you do evil deeds. And we know that sin is not just cleaning up my behavior to get rid of my sin. I just cannot clean up my behavior. I must have a change of heart. This is all in the gospel. I'm alienated from God, I'm separated from Him. He is holy. I am a sinner. I cannot change that. I must be changed. Right, Romans 8 on the screen. Follow with me if I can get it up there. It just There we go. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God without having been Reconciled without having been with Jesus without having been with God it is impossible for us to Please God we can clean up the outside of us. We can make it look good and we can play church Just like putting a tuxedo on a pig Okay, you can't change the nature of the pig by putting a tuxedo on him He's gonna ro- run out and ru- and roll in the mud and wallow in the mire. That's what a pig does. Therefore, you and I cannot change ourselves. Our greatest problem is pride by thinking we are basically good people and God will let us into heaven based upon our goodness. Wait a minute. Listen to me. Every passage of Scripture that has to deal with reconciliation to God begins with this fact. God initiated The conversation God initiated the engagement God initiated the Reaching out to you Receiving sinful man To himself Reconciling sinful man To himself All centered upon The sacrifice of his son To understand the gospel You must understand You are alienated from God The second thing about Understanding the gospel Is this Having been Comes through The death of Jesus. Look in verse 22. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Jesus reconciled us by his death in his fleshly body. You may think, now why would God have to go to the extreme of dying himself to forgive us of our sin? You and I forgive each other. We, We let things go. We forgive each other we have no issues with that. We don't go to the extreme of dying or or killing of someone to seek forgiveness. Why would God have to do that? If we think that way, we're misunderstanding what the gospel teaches about sin. You might say, hey, I am not that bad of a person. I've never murdered anybody. I'm I'm faithful to my wife. I am a good all-around person. I work hard. I'm not a bad person if you relate that way if you think that way then you're misunderstanding god and your sin it's not about the degree of your sin it's the fact that you have it any of it it's not how bad it is it's that you have sin to begin with and where that comes from is that we are living and growing up now in a tolerant culture a tolerant society it is a virtue to be able to tolerate people that's the way we look at it and we tolerate their sin we tolerate the sin of men all around us all of the time and that's one of the problems that we have in understanding sin and the severity of it let me show you a quote from over a hundred years ago it is partly because sin does not provoke our own wrath that we do not believe that sin provokes the wrath of God. Because sin doesn't bother us, we think that it doesn't bother God. But we are so wrong. Sin does bother God, and sin will be dealt with by God If God were to tolerate sin, then He would not be God, right? And if God tolerated sin, then He would compromise His justice. He would have to compromise His justice if He tolerated sin. It would be like, and I used this illustration a while back, if someone killed your mother, murdered your mother, and went to court, and you were there watching... And the judge got out of his seat because he's a loving judge and he went over to this man who murdered your mother and he gave him a big hug and said, man, I love you. Please try not to do that again. Boom, you're free to go. What would you do? You would flip out. That's not justice being served, right? And we know God to be a loving God. So how is it that God can be loving and yet He can dish out judgment? How can it be that God can be judging and yet He can dish out mercy? It's all done through the substitutionary death of His Son. You were reconciled by the death of Jesus in His fleshly body. That's how God deals out love And that's how God deals out justice Amen What you do with Jesus That's part of the gospel That's how God is both holy And that is how God is both loving The substitutionary death of Jesus What do I mean by that? Well let the Bible explain itself 2 Corinthians 5 He being God Made him being Jesus God the Father made Jesus God the Son who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. God substituted our sin and put it on Jesus and he died that death that you and I deserve. God took the righteousness of his Son and he put it on us. Right, The substitutionary death of Jesus. That's how God remains holy. And that's how God reaches out in love. That's how God provides justice. And that's how God provides mercy. Jesus doing it for us. You and I were made right with God. Reconciled because of the death of Jesus Christ. Having been reconciled. We now have responsibility to understand the gospel and how that all works, to understand how God could do such a thing, having been reconciled. Now, point C is this. Why does God reconcile us? It says in verse 22, to present us holy and blameless and above reproach. Now, we talked about that. God does all of the working to establish us and to protect us and to keep us safe to keep us with him but at the same time there are responsibilities that you and I are given and he does all of this to present us holy and blameless Wow how can God do that Jude chapter 1 verse 24 now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling And to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless and with great joy how does God do that what is he talking about standing before God blameless we all are to blame we all are not holy how does God make us do that there's a big church word that we use and it's called sanctification It means cleansing. It means setting apart as well. God is in the process of setting you apart by cleansing you. And certainly God supplies the soap, but you've got to get in the bath. Okay? You've got to have responsibility in that. There are three aspects of this sanctification. The first one is this. It is positional. When you received Christ, when you became a believer, when you trusted him, then in position, you were sanctified. You were set apart, right, from the world. God set you apart from the world. That's positional sanctification. The second aspect of it is progressive. That's where we as Christians are living today. We are walking with him daily And daily, we follow in obedience to the hope of the gospel. And in that process, we are progressively being cleansed, progressively being sanctified. That's important. It doesn't all happen at one time, and then you think it's all over. It's a progression. God is not concerned with your perfection. He's concerned with your direction of obedience and that is a progressive movement finally one day you will be perfected either the day that you die or the day Christ returns to take his church out that day you will be completely sanctified positionally you're sanctified progressively you're being sanctified futuristically you will be Sanctified, You will be set apart. You will be complete. Look, how do we know this? 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. Now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. See that we don't know exactly what we're going to be, but we know this, that when he comes, we will be like him because we'll be able to see him in his holiness, in his glory. We will be sanctified. That's the whole idea that God is pursuing about the gospel. You're alienated. You have come to Christ through reconciliation, through his death, and now God wants you to be sanctified and to be cleansed. That's all in the gospel. It only took me about 15 minutes to explain it. I want you to do it in 60 seconds, okay? Have an understanding of the gospel. It's your responsibility. You have been reconciled. Now, God wants you to do that. So, one does not deal with his sin by just accepting Christ and then kicking back and cruising the rest of the way. No, he has responsibility. The second responsibility, there's only two today. The second one is this. Having been comes with the responsibility of continuing in the faith. Look in verse 23. He says, in verse 22, he says, I want to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard there is some responsibility there right continuing in the faith on the back of your bulletin I wrote about uh, from your pastor about this continuing process about proving your salvation proving who you are showing who you are happens by your continuance in the gospel of course God establishes you and God gives you the tools but you have the responsibility of continuing in your Bible study, of continuing in your prayer life, of continuing in the hope of the gospel that God has given you, not moved away from it. This if, at the beginning of 23, is not doubting you. God's not saying to you, you can have all of this if you do this. Here's what God is saying. This is yours and it's a warning if you do this. This is yours if you do this, since you do this, okay? Here's what God wants to do for you since you are continuing, since you are being steadfast, since you are not moved away from the gospel. We have to take this in context throughout the scripture, right? Jesus told the great parable of the sower and the seed. Three kinds of, four kinds of soil. Three kinds received the soil, but they did not produce fruit. Only one produced fruit. Only one was saved. Only one continued. In the hope of the gospel The other three Walked away Let it fade Received it momentarily And left it Do you understand There are people right here among us Who are making decisions Eternal decisions Based upon their feelings Instead of the responsibility That God gives us In the warning of the word If We got people who made a profession when they were children and adult, whenever it was. But where are they today? What's happening in their life? What's drawing them away from the church? What's drawing them away from Christ? Is it the world? Is it work? Is it fun? Is it a relationship? Whatever it might be, they're moving away from the gospel. They're proving that they have not been reconciled. If you are reconciled, you stay. Amen? Not on your own power, but by your own desire, which God places in you. It's the continuance. It's the consistency. It's the ever-loving, prodding forward in the gospel of our life that shows we are Christian. It is not saying it, doing it, and then walking out the door sometime in my life and thinking I've got it. That shows I don't have it. That shows I was one of the three soils that either left it quickly, left it momentarily, or the world choked it out. Only one produced fruit. I want you to think about that, brother and sister. It's important that we see that Paul is confident in the fact that people will be consistently staying in the gospel. He says this in Philippians chapter 1. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. Amen. Warning. You are responsible. You have some things to do with this gospel. You have a responsibility in it. And you say, well, Brother Clay, the other day you're teaching about God doing everything. And now you're teaching that we have to do something. I want you to hear me. In, In every place in the New Testament where we read about the sovereignty of God, right along with that is the responsibility of man. The sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. All right, They go together. They make our life balanced. If I was to let one of them go, I would be out of balance in my life. If I let the sovereignty of God go, I would swing out of balance. If I let my responsibility down and I do not accomplish it, I would be out of balance with the sovereignty of God. They go together. They must go together. God will bring us to glory. How so? Through our faith in the gospel of jesus christ nowhere in the gospel do you read accept it and then go on about your own way anybody ever read that in the gospel of course we don't why because we don't go our own way we go god's way so if i say i accept it and then go my own way it's proving that I never was reconciled. I never was having been with Jesus. I never was doing it right. I have to come to a realization that as God calls me, I accept that calling, I believe that calling, I believe what Jesus did, I believe this gospel, and then I walk in it, and I follow it, and I live it. Maybe you haven't been doing that. Maybe you've been hit and miss with the life that God has for you. Today, you can change it. You can come home. You can do what He wants you to do and surrender to Him and be right in His eyes again. You have that responsibility. In our text, verse 23, our responsibility is to be firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the gospel. That's foundational There's a foundation in the Christian life, and guess what it is? It is the gospel. It is the hope of the gospel, the believing of the gospel. Beyond that, it is then the understanding of Scripture. You need to understand the Scripture so that you can understand what the Trinity is. You need to understand the Scripture so that you can know and express the person and work of Jesus Christ. Those are foundational things in the Christian's life if you're not doing that and you can't explain those things then you are not following you are not taking your responsibility you are not being obedient to God do you believe that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God you need to be able to explain that you need to believe that core value of Scripture You need to believe and understand and explain that salvation by grace through faith alone is the way for a person to go to heaven. There are not multiple ways to go to heaven. If you are not grounded in the core teaching of the Bible, then you will be blown around every time somebody tells you something, okay? Somebody will come along, like I said, you think you are wise and you know and you would not be misled by false teaching? You better be careful. You don't know the craftiness of Satan and you don't know your own weakness. Why do you think that church in Utah is so big? And you know what church I'm talking about. Why do you think it's so big? Because people are not grounded in the scripture of Jesus Christ, in the gospel they don't know about the person and work of the biblical Jesus they know about what some false prophet has been telling them and now they're being deceived and it can happen right here in our midst it can happen right to you if you are not grounded in Scripture your responsibility God's not going to ground you in the Scripture you ground yourself you get in it you read it you study it you go to Sunday school you come to church you hear the word preached You form these opinions and this teaching by hearing the gospel and reading it for yourself. Then when you know, then you will know that something false has come along and you'll be able to face it and stand against it. The only way to do that is to know what the truth says. If you're not grounded, you'll be blown around with everything somebody tries to tell you. Continuing in faith, is to hold to the gospel, even the face, even in the face of false teaching. Whoa, wow! What happened to that thing, Russell? Put me back. Uh, well, let me try to find it. <laughs> Here we go. It wanted to go really fast. Maybe I'm uh, taking too long preaching. Huh? Here we go. Positional, progressing perfection. One more. One. One more. There we go. We want to be standing in the face of opposition and false teaching. You must be grounded. Genuine faith will persevere. I want you to look on the screen what Jesus said about this in the end times. Matthew 24. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. If you're not grounded in the gospel, that can be you they'll make it sound right they'll make it sound good and you will follow it many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased most people's love will grow cold this is what's happening are we getting lawlessness increasing anybody all around us amen all around us lawlessness is increasing don't let your love grow cold this is a prophecy by the lord jesus christ He says, because of that, many people's love will grow cold. Many people doesn't mean everybody. Doesn't mean you. Don't let your love grow cold. And look what Jesus said in the very next verse. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Wow, amen. What does that mean to endure? That I am steadfast in the hope of... Of the gospel message that I understand the scripture that I know when something false comes my way and I can face it and put it down that I can be faithful to God and I will endure to the end right it's not somebody who comes says a prayer gets baptized and walks out the door years months days later never to return To walk out of the church? To do something else with their life? To follow some other way? That person is not enduring. That person needs to hear what God is saying to them today. That person needs to get grounded in the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. He says it. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's your responsibility to be grounded in the Bible and the Bible doctrine. Perhaps you are not reconciled today. Perhaps you know that you have not been reconciled today to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say this. Thomas Fuller said it a long time ago. He said it like this. You cannot repent too soon because you do not know how soon it may be too late. You cannot repent too soon because you do not know how soon it may be too late. Responsibilities. You have them. You have responsibility to the Lord, to the gospel, to your salvation, to your life, to your learning, to your walk. God is sovereign. Yes, He can save you, but in that salvation, He left you responsibilities. The responsibilities being fulfilled by you prove that you're being saved, that you've been reconciled, that you have been with Jesus Christ. If you are not reconciled today, talk to me after church. Let's get it right. Let's take care of it today. Be reconciled to God and then follow him. If you are continuing, or are you continuing in the faith? Are you continuing in the gospel message? Are you being what God would have you to be? Have you been someone who's recognized as having been with Jesus? If some stranger saw you, would they know that you have been with Jesus Christ? Having been has been. Responsibilities let's pray Father bless this moment Bless this time as you have taught us this Morning about our responsibilities Lord stir in us the Desire to fulfill those So that we Ourselves are sure That we're walking with you And that we have been reconciled With you you gave us a warning Today not a doubt But a warning Help every heart in this room and those beyond hearing this today understand of those responsibilities. Help us to share the gospel. Help us to know it well enough to share it. Help us to be grounded in it that we would know false teaching when it arises. Help us, Lord, to see you before us leading the way. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.